Hello, I'm Dapper Dan Gavazdan, and I'm the founder and editor of AmazingSpiderTalk.com. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for a special episode of the all-new Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and gamers as we look at the Spider-Man gaming universe in a bit of a bigger picture. On today's show, I'll be joined by a special guest to review Marvel's Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4 and to get deep into spoiler-filled discussion of where we think this brand new franchise is headed next. Again, a warning to everyone at home, if you haven't finished the game, we're going to be diving deep into spoilers throughout the conversation. That's your warning. Uh, as always, this episode wouldn't be possible without support from our wonderful Patreon subscribers, whose patronage allows us to assemble the guests, like today's guests that we have on the show, and do all of our awesome research. If you enjoy the show and want to help us continue while getting amazing bonus content and additional episodes that we never release publicly, go to our show notes and check out our Patreon page and consider joining our team. On that note, I want to spend a special thank you to all the new patrons who joined us for this episode, and there's a bunch of them. So a special thanks to Ian Patrick, Chris Stokes, Trent Scott, Brian, Oscar Mina, Roy Ragin, Matthew Cece, Michael Menaval, Scott Larson, and Kevin Neese. If you want to join us for a special review of the new Venom movie, why not check out the link in the show notes and sign up for our Patreon, just like all these fine folks did. Anyway, let's get to the review that so many of you have been waiting and clamoring for. But first, let's introduce our guest for the show, who many of you are probably familiar with from our previous discussions of video games, Spider-Man related. He's worked at the official U.S. PlayStation Magazine, LucasArts, and has a hand in the creation of several Spider-Man video games for Marvel, and now he runs the YouTube channel Superhero Video Games with Seabake76. It's none other than Chris Baker. Welcome back, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here. Am, am I to understand that this is a spoiler cast and we're going to just free reign talk about this game? Nothing held back. I think you are correct. You you tuned in for my warning. I should probably have played it then. Oh, well, that would definitely have been helpful. <laughs> no, of course, I've played it. I, I'm not 100%. A lot of people are 100% on this game. I'm like 82 or something like that, but I figure that's enough. I have to admit that I'm at 100%. Wow. Well, you know, I read that this has the highest percentage of like a major PlayStation release uh, of people 100%ing it. And, you know, does that speak to how good the game is or does it speak to maybe it's a little bit easier to platinum than some games? Maybe a little bit of both? I think it's probably a little bit of, as a platinum person myself who like chases yeah. after platinum trophies, I think it's a bit of the both yeah um there's definitely a few places they could have made this more painful than they did like if they asked you to get gold trophies on all of the taskmaster missions yeah well that is definitely uh the hardest part of the game to me at least is uh, some of those taskmaster missions those drone ones where you have to chase the drone are just they're dreadful <laughs> <laughs> they're just a pain in the butt and uh we can talk about that uh, you know, or we're going to talk about that as part of this uh, larger review. But I kind of wanted to start this whole thing off with, you know, uh, revisiting some conversations that you and I have had. We first did a podcast about all the Spider-Man games and how they utilize story. And I think kind of in t anticipation of this one where we thought they would probably take it to the next level. And I, I think it's safe to say that absolutely they did. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And then we did a show about my kind of E3 reactions uh, to having my hands on the game. And I kind of wanted to start off there with kind of talking about, uh, I guess, you know, your first experiences with the games and me also kind of revisiting how I felt at E3. Because we did get some feedback, you know, to that episode that was like, you know, like, Dan obviously doesn't know what he's talking about. And... (laughs) You know, like, has this guy ever played games before or whatever? You know, the the community is very passionate about this game. Dan, the, the, the phrase is, is get good. <laughs> I, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, with uh, gamer culture. Get good. So so now that you've played the game, yes. right, and you've beaten the game, and I'm sure you've played the part, right, they make you play it at the beginning, what you did, in, you know, what was shown in the E3 demo, which is like the first kind of kingpin Fisk, you know, brouhaha on the rooftop, and then the kind of, like, uh, shocker fight, and kind of loosely throwing you into swinging around the city. Like, tell us me about your first experience of the game. Did it line up with what I set you up for? Yeah, it really did. You know, I think uh, out of our conversation, one of the things I really got was that the combat would be something that, you know, wasn't quite old school Devil May Cry and God of War and wasn't quite Batman Arkham. It's kind of somewhere in between, and I do think that's. I didn't really know what that meant when you were describing it, because you know it's the kind of thing you have to experience yourself. But uh, I, I do think that yeah, there, there's definitely elements of, of both of those. There's uh, you know the 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 Batman uh, kind of dodge. You know, it's a different button. I hear a lot of people saying, you know, I'm hitting triangle all the time. I think I was doing that too. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, but I think. You know, there's a lot more kind of aerial uh, because he's Spider-Man and, and he can do that. You, you don't really get off the ground that much as Batman, uh, but you know you would as as, as Spidey or, or Kratos or Dante, I guess. Uh, so it, it really does kind of bridge those really what that probably are my three favorite combat systems in video games that I just named there. <laughs> and now it's like that's like the perfect melding of them all, and I think they pulled that off really well. Well, well, it's funny that you mentioned the aerial combat thing because that took me a long time to kind of get used to, like mm-hmm. thinking I got to get these guys into the air and I got to kind of freely use all of my abilities. But they, you know, they have like enemies literally shout at you, like, "Watch out when he's in the air; he's most dangerous in the air." Yeah, uh, and and I was thinking that this is a not so subtle way of telling me that I need to be doing that more often. Yeah, you know, even though you are, I think it is a little less than, like, Web of Shadows was. Like, Web of Shadows was in the air all the time, like, bouncing off guys all the time. Um, yeah. You know, I think that's probably the... If, if there's another Spider-Man game that can compete with this one in terms of the best combat, it's still Web of Shadows. But I haven't played it in 10 years, so I'm not going <laughs> to definitively say one's better than the other. But, yeah, you know, I I I did die a few times i remember you talking about it was like really it seemed kind of hard i I would say maybe i died slightly more than i do early on in in a typical game um but you know it wasn't that bad to me maybe because i was anticipating that it wouldn't be like super easy i did uh you know early on you've got to use that method basically when you're fighting kingpin you're fighting any heavy that's he's pretty much just uh your, your kind of introduction to the, the heavy character that you have to web up and then you can beat them or, you know, throw something at them and then you can beat them. Like getting that down, I had a little bit of a, a problem with, but, you know, it's just a matter of playing for a while. 
I think it does an excellent job overall of, of getting you into the action. And, you know, you're doing something cool with a recognizable character right away. There's obviously, like, even if you haven't read the, the novel that came out before it, uh, you, you get a really good idea of, like, hey, we've been after the Kingpin for a long time, and, and now that day has finally come. And I, I, I thought it was an excellent way to start the game. I'm really eager to kind of start over again and pl- replay the Kingpin mission because I was so bad at it. Hmm. You know, like I feel like that would have been way more fun if I understood the mechanics a bit better. Like it really takes a while for you to realize how important things like the kind of like web zip or whatever the zip to enemy is yeah. to kind of get around and how the dodging mechanics work. And even just the kind of like, you know, like a web blossom and all that stuff, you know, and how focus, the focus meter allows you to heal. Um, you know, early on when I was trying to kind of piece all of the elements together, I became really frustrated with how small like the reticles are on the screen, even on my massive TV. And by the end of the game, it was like second nature to me. But at the very beginning of the game, I felt like they threw – a lot at you, and and this really kind of just echoed my E3 experience, which was like, it was hard to really feel like a superhero in that short of a time because the systems are very difficult to master, and I think it's to the game's benefit and to the demo's, you know, like, detriment, because you don't feel powerful, you don't get that quick adrenaline rush that you want from, and you get from most games. This game delays it. In, in some ways, I think especially with the combat, I think the web stuff and swinging around, you can kind of get down relatively quickly or you don't need to be a pro at it to really do what you need to do with it. Um, but the combat itself, I think, is a really nuanced and ultimately I think the be- like my favorite part of the game is that the combat does have such flexibility and does actually challenge you. Um, in a way that makes you feel like Spider-Man and makes you feel great and that you've accomplished it. Yeah. Um, but it was something that couldn't really come across in the E3 demo. Um, and so, like, I just wanted to say, like, I've really come around on the game. Even in my first few hours of playing the game, I found it kind of frustrating. But um, once I pushed past that and began to understand the systems, I, I really enjoyed the game a lot. Um, and I feel that way about a lot of Insomniac games. You know, I feel like... Ratchet and Clank 2 starts off a bit clunky, and and once you really feel like you know what you're doing, do you really come into the place of feeling the kind of power adrenaline rush? Because that's what they are, right? Like, superhero games are in some ways like power fantasies in the same way comics are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You want to feel like Spider-Man at some point. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Like, there's things that are just about video games that you you can never really feel like a a superhero or a Jedi or whatever. You know, if if you're playing a Star Wars game, you can never, like, just chop a guy in half with a lightsaber. And, you know, because any any lightsaber game, you're, you're, it's a baseball bat, right? You hit him several times. Whereas, like, likewise in in Spider Man, like, really any guy who's just a guy that Spider Man is punching is going to go down in one hit. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's all it takes, right? It, it, he's if you are a mortal being without superpowers, Spider-Man will hit you once and you will be knocked out and remember it for a very 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 long time. But, you know, that's not fun in a video game. So, you know, you do have to kind of add a bit of a suspension of disbelief and and you know, I think even when you have a a new universe like they definitely do, you can maybe say that everyone's a little bit stronger. I don't know. 
Um, that's kind of a, a tangent, I think, from what we were talking about. But well, yeah, well, sorry. What was <laughs> what were we talking? <laughs> well, let's get let's get to the broad kind of like helicopter perspective or whatever yeah. three thousand foot view. Like you've played so many of these games and had a hand in working on a number of them. Like, does this immediately jump to the front of the pack to you? Like, what was your overall experience with the Spider-Man, the new Spider-Man game? Yeah, you know, I think I think it did exactly what I expected it to do, uh, which, you know, was a pretty lofty thing to expect. Uh, you know, I, I think it doesn't really bring a whole lot of, like, genuinely new stuff to the table, but what it does bring is like the most polished version of every single like thing that a Spider-Man game has done well and has made it like as good or better than, you know, what's been done before. You know, some games have excelled at web swinging. Some games have excelled at combat. Some games have excelled at story more than others. None has ever really taken them all and made them the best in, in one product this has. So, uh, I think it, it, it definitely, uh, is kind of a, a good statement of, from Insomniac saying, you know, we know what we're doing with Spider-Man here and, and I hope it represents like just kind of the, the beginning of what will be at least a trilogy, maybe more, we'll see. And, and, you know, that's when we'll like really start seeing the stuff that we haven't really seen in video games before. Yeah, I feel very similarly. You know, I think this game is kind of amazing that it exists in the way that it does. I don't feel like I have to make many caveats for this game. It's not like, oh, it's, you know, it's good for a Spider-Man game. You know, like, it feels like a fully fleshed out thing where all the systems work together in a way that's intended, you know, like sometimes you think about like characters and you're like, is there necessarily a game that like, is this character well suited to a game? You know, like there could be an attribute to a character that doesn't necessarily work well in a video game. Mm -hmm. And this game feels like it's like, you know what? We're going to embrace every facet of Spider-Man and it's going to a hundred percent work for you. Like walking on the ceiling, it works. I really rarely ever did it. Uh, but, but it works in this game and I don't have to like worry about how all these systems work. It feels like I have all of the capabilities of Spider-Man at my disposal and I don't have to say, well, they tried their best. Like it, it just, it functions completely entirely. And that goes for every facet of the game down to how the you know, city looks and feels and, uh, you know, how, uh, this, you know, it feels alive and, and the storytelling, and Peter Parker gets to do sciency things. There's just a lot of stuff where it's like they didn't like try to push past any of the elements that might not have worked. They embraced it all, made it all work. And I'd say overall, I uh, this. I mean, I got a platinum in like two weeks on this game. I couldn't stop playing it. Yeah, it was just so much fun. And I have some you know nitpicks and things like that. But at the end of the day, like. This is a really great kind of like proof of concept. Like we can do this. Spider-Man works as a video game without any caveats. And I think, you know, it, ultimately this is a great game. I think whatever comes next is likely to be the masterpiece. I certainly hope that's the case. It's it's a hard thing to, you know, come out with an, an amazing game and then follow it up with 
everything as good as he did before and then not making it feel like you're just doing more of the same. It, you know, as a, as a developer, that's a huge challenge. And, you know, I, I know they're probably already thinking about whatever probably Spider-Man 2 will be. Um, and that has to be on their mind. Like, how do we take everything that we did, keep it as good as it is, and then, uh, you know, make it even better? It's, that's not an easy thing to do. <laughs> right. Um, I want to talk about things that we would like necessarily like improve things you'd like to see for a sequel game. But let's talk about like kind of like what is there first. Um, so I think we talked about the combat. Do you want to say anything more about like your favorite things about the combat system uh, or maybe favorite instances of combat in the game? Uh, you know, I think I think my favorite thing about the combat system is just how kind of free it is and you can pretty much do something some other type of move or whatever while you're in the middle of doing a combo or something you know you can like start beating up on a dude and then be like hey i feel like grabbing this this uh barrel or manhole cover or whatever that's nearby and throwing him at him. and you can just do that right there on the fly uh you can just decide to beat up on somebody else if you want to you know, I, I did, I did find myself, I think, playing very defensively, and by that I mean, you know, looking for my spider sense to dodge before I really did anything. Uh, which, you know, that's not a bad thing. I, I think, uh, especially once you get the move that lets you immediately uh, uh, web up somebody that has, uh, you know, who you've been dodging or you know hit him in the face or whatever. I think that's, you know, it does a good job of. Uh, of, of making certain moves like that, like really mean something and, and, and you get more and more as you go. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's like some moves I never really mastered, but you know, there's just so much to do with the combat system. It's great. Well, dodging is so important in this game. You know, it is really the backbone of the whole thing. And I think also kind of like covering distances quickly is the, the other important thing. Um, you know, one of the things that I struggled with very early on was, the, and I think I mentioned it in the E3 talk, is that, you know, I never felt like the cam- the camera doesn't snap on to enemies, so you kind of had to be smart with your camera, but you kind of quickly realize that, like, it's not even necessarily the camera, it's like, if you finish beating up a guy, jump into the air and hit the triangle button, and it will latch onto whoever's next for you, uh, like, really quickly, and to me, that was kind of the trick to learning how to kind of manipulate the system? Is it like, oh, I can let the computer figure out, you know, who the next guy for me to tackle is. And by the end, I was stringing like 300 plus combos, you know, pretty regularly on on guys. And, and that felt really great. The one thing I, you know, you said you probably were playing a bit defensively. The one thing I never really played around with enough is the different like gadgets and stuff. Yeah, I didn't either. I never felt like I wanted to pause time to adjust that and really kind of take my time manipulating things. And maybe that's very Spider-Man-y and that he often runs into situations without thinking about them. Um, I think I could have made the game a lot easier on myself if I really mastered those systems. But in the kind of like post-game stuff, I began to play around with that a bit more. And I realized like how helpful it could be like the flying guys, you could put like a web trap on the ground and it would immediately KO them by pulling them to the earth, you know, and things like that became, you know, really uh, uh, quite obvious in in their use. Um, You know, like I never really did the kind of double power, 
you know, the web blossom stuff, but I feel like if I did that more, I probably would have been cakewalking the game a lot faster. And in a way, I'm kind of glad I didn't because I got really good at just punching dudes in the face. <laughs> but uh, I, I found the combat really thrilling after a while. Like, if you get into the comboing stuff, you know, those kind of henchman hideouts really are some of the be- biggest thrills of the game. I, I had kind of a love-hate relationship with those just because uh, I did enjoy doing them, but they also, you know, they took a while. <laughs> so yes. So when you're... When you just want to move on with the story or, you know, you just want to have your, your platinum and then it's just a bunch of those bases uh, in the way of it, which is the kind of situation I'm in now. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's like, do I want to spend another two hours of my life just doing this? Well, especially if you're trying to get like the extra bonus tokens yeah. from doing specialized things. Um, I mean, it's truly end game content is is what it is. Yeah. I really liked how they were, like, slowly parceled out, though. Like, I love – you could, you know, unlock a part of the map, but it was only by progressing through the game that it introduced new categories of things for you to really jump into. Yeah. You know, it felt like, you know, you weren't necessarily being given everything uh, up front. Yeah, they, they did a nice job of spacing things out for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the stealth, which is kind of the other big part of the combat system. This is where it kind of fell on its face to me, is that the stealth felt so... um, I mean, it didn't need to be as robust as, say, Batman's stealth stuff, because the character is not as known for stealth, but it often felt like a real cheat that you could kind of easily manipulate. You know, you just kind of shoot a web somewhere, and the guy would go investigate it, and then you're picking off literally everybody. But then it also felt very unrewarding, because... Let's say you're doing one of those kind of hideouts. You pick out everybody with st- stealth, and then wave two comes in, and they're automatically alerted to you. Yeah. So you'd often be like, what's the point of stealth? I'm more powerful just kind of running in here. It felt like a real kind of like arbitrary system that could definitely be developed on um, in the future. Like, And that speaks to another thing, which you can I'll le- let you comment after this. It's like I often felt like a lot of the combat scenarios in this game – they never escalated in the way that, like, Batmans do. You know, like, you'd get, like, new guys that came in that could, like, see you hiding up in the gargoyles or the rafters or whatever. And in this game, everybody just kind of remains clueless throughout the stealth. Um, And so you never really feel like you have to change your tactics all that much. It's kind of like just picking people off here and there. You know, there was no, like, Mr. Freeze boss battle where Mm. you kind of have to change up your... Your skills, it just kind of felt like distract, pick off, distract, pick off. And, um, you know, you get some variation, like the really awesome, uh, like, Grand Central Terminal, uh, like, sequence. Yeah, that was that was maybe the highlight of the game for me. That was really great. Yeah, me, me too. But even then, that scenario is still the same. It's like throw a thing and then have Spider-Man pick them up, you know? Uh so anyway, respond to that, Chris. I'm sorry you're talking so long. <laughs> no, no, it's uh, – yeah, there's a lot to take in. I think your basic point is that you know the, the stealth is not as robust as like an Arkham game. And yeah, I agree. I, I, I do also think like you know stealth has – when I think Spider-Man, I don't really think of him as a stealthy character. He can be. Um, so it, to me, it's like a good thing to have in there, but it's not like the – like essential to the the Spider-Man experience for me. So 
Um, you know, I did do quite a bit of stealth, probably more than I needed to. I probably spent a lot more time playing the game because I was doing stealth when I could have just jumped in there and done just fine. Sure. I, you know, stealth is definitely something they could improve on uh, later on, but I think for, for what it needs to be, it's totally fine. You know, before Shattered Dimensions, which had, you know, the noir was basically the, the stealth character that, you know, there really wasn't much stealth I can think of. I mean, I guess there was, there were, it was pretty much on par though. It was like, there was never like Metal Gear Solid level stealth. (laughs) Right. Your, your favorite uh, Spider-Man game, unless this game has supplanted it, you know, the 2001 Neversoft game, uh, you know, it has a little bit of stealth. I think we've talked about the kind of famous office level where you're kind of picking people off. That's pretty much it. I think It, it, yeah, there might have been one other spot, but yeah, it, it, it's it, yeah that was the first Spidey game with stealth for sure. Um, I think there was a little bit maybe in the movie game, the first movie game. You know, I think in the warehouse in the first game, in that game there was. Uh, I don't remember stealth in Ultimate. I could be wrong. I don't remember stealth in Spider Man Two at all. Web of Shadows, I don't think had stealth. I don't know. I'm going. Sometimes off a very you would old get memory. the like stay out of the spotlight missions yeah, or whatever, you know, something like that. Um, I mean, like, look, I'm fine with the stealth here. I just feel like there was an opportunity for like if you're going to do it, like it should. I mean, with Spider Man, I think it should be like a, a higher risk kind of thing. You know, it's like he's not Batman. And in this game, it kind of makes him out to be, like, even better than Batman in some ways. Like, if I web up someone, no one is ever noticing that dude. <laughs> you know? Um, like, these guys, like, should have been easier to tip off. You know, if, if it's going to be stealth in a Spider-Man game where he's not a stealth character, he shouldn't be as good at it as he is. You know? Like, I think if the guys noticed it, it would be like a... You know, the stealth would be like a nice kind of cherry. It's like if you have the opportunity, you could pick off a guy or two, but really you're not going to be able to take the whole level down in the yeah. way that you are. I mean, this goes for video games in general, but it's very hard to find a stealth sequence that feels like real life would actually be. Like if you're Spider-Man in this situation and you're stealth getting these guys, it's like uh, they're going to yell. You know, the, <laughs> yeah. when he hits them on, you know, he, like he, sometimes he'll hit their head against a beam like that makes a noise. They're going to look. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think there's situations in, in Batman, even like Metal Gear, place, places like that, like, you know, whether it's it's that kind of thing or just the fact that they forget after two minutes or what, however long. I don't know. And I think a lot of that comes from making stealth fun, because like if it were real and people remembered that stuff and they saw it right away and they heard everything it just wouldn't be as fun so you got to balance that too it it was fun and once you get to kind of like the the stealth missions with like taskmaster and stuff you really are beginning to kind of and you want to get that gold trophy which which i got i got all golds on all the taskmasters uh nice and the stealth ones to me were the most fun because you have to think about how do you do this like faster than you could even imagine. And that's when you're really using your, your, you know, tools and weapons and, and quick zipping. And, and I think, you know, and, and in that case, it's fun. Having a nice little timer on the stealth, I think is, is, is a good thing. It, it makes you kind of 
want to utilize your skills a little bit quicker. Um, and maybe that's what I'm talking about is like maybe these things need some kind of like after 30 seconds, these guys are able to launch a drone into the air and it automatically spots you, you know. And so stealth at least has some kind of timing situation where you have to think quick or you lose your opportunity. I don't know. Just just an idea. Yeah, I don't know. It, I, I think the, the interesting thing, though, like with the kind of Taskmaster mi- missions and stuff like that, where you're you're really trying to stealthily take everyone else. The, the game goes from action game to more of like an action puzzle game at that point. Because yeah, you know, think of it in Tetris terms, and you gotta you gotta like move your pieces, your pieces being yourself, uh, into the right spot so that you can uh, take everybody out and and not get noticed. Yeah, I think it, it, it does, you know, varies up the gameplay nicely. So I'm I'm glad it's there. And yeah, it could be better, but I, I, I think it's certainly very competent and on par with anything else, uh, you know, the other Spider-Man games have done. I think probably Shattered Dimensions had the best stealth maybe before, and even that was pretty basic. So, you know, you saying kind of these puzzle things kind of brings us to our next thing is that there's this, there's a very small element of this game, which is like puzzles and both like kind of like typical insomniac like pipe puzzles mm-hmm. you know uh and kind of those you know the the sequencing the gene sequencing or chemical sequencing stuff uh, and then there's also kind of like these puzzles with like mary jane and there's like a what like it may less than a handful of mary jane puzzles um in the game like i'm thinking like what was a mary jane puzzle i don't remember a mary jane puzzle off well there's top like head. ones where you have to like reposition a statue and they oh, feel like uncharted yeah, yeah, yeah. puzzles okay yeah to me, those felt like totally kind of really clunky, didn't really need to be in the game. I mostly found them frustrating more than fun, um, which I think is kind of how I feel about a lot of the MJ and Miles Morales sections of the game where I'm like, okay, but I'd rather be Spider-Man right now. They're, they were interesting diversions, but I, I, I often felt like they kind of broke down the pacing of the game. Whereas the kind of other puzzles, I was like, okay, I can take a set, few seconds to do this in in the middle of a battle or something like that to kind of, you know, make Peter's smarts play in in some way. Did you ever try uh, one of the accessibility sessing, uh, settings is to remove the puzzles? Did you ever try doing that? No, I didn't. Did you notice that? Because it has a... The accessibility settings at the beginning of the game are super robust, and they, they let you skip a lot of things, at least skip quick time events and stuff like that. I didn't set it to skip anything because I just wanted to see everything that was in there. I'm not really sure how it works, like skipping puzzles, but uh, that option is in there. So, you know, they obviously know that, you know, not everyone wants to play these little puzzles. I did. I thought they were fun until they just got too time-consuming. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if they were ever like truly hard, but that, you know, they definitely required more time to fool around with toward the end there. And I, I do think it, it's a, a kind of cool thing. Just speaking to the plot, like, uh, the stuff you do in Octavius's lab is, is you're basically helping to create Dr. Octopus. Yeah. I thought that was really neat, especially yeah. when they could actually have it like have a tangible result. Like you're like, Oh, I'm increasing the AI in some way. I thought that the chemical puzzles, while interesting, were like they seemed less essential to what I was doing because it was often, you know, unless it was like Devil's Breath or something like that, I, it was, um, you know, there, there were few instances where I felt like solving the chemical was actually moving me somewhere forward in the plot. Yeah, yeah, I 
I think I finished probably 80% of the Octavius Lab puzzles. And, you know, is that something you need to do for the Platinum? Am I going to have to go back to those? Yeah, you, <laughs> okay. uh, you, you absolutely are, yeah. All right. And it's, it, it's weird going it. back to them afterwards, after you've beaten yeah. the game, because spoilers, he becomes Dr. Octopus. Yeah. And you're in there, and, and you're solving these things for him, and, and Peter's commentary even changes to reflect that he's evil now or whatever. And oh, it's that's like, great. That's good. Yeah, it's actually really interesting because it's like he's reflecting on what – like could have been done with this advancement, you know, and like how it, you know, how it not being fixed probably contributed to Otto's, you know, psychosis or whatever. Yeah. Um, I found that really interesting. Uh, and if I ever get to talk to Yuri Lowenthal, I want to ask him about recording those. Um, yeah, that's cool. It, it's it's cool when developers care that much and cause they, they don't have to, it's not, you don't, you're not going to like the game less because they didn't do that, you know. But you know, it definitely shows just how much they cared about this project and you know, I think Arkham Knight did something similar when it, I'm not going to ruin its big twist at the end, but you know, something happens with Batman at the end of that and then the uh just the typical thugs start talking about that thing. Yeah, I I know what you're talking about. And and that yeah, that game is really interesting cuz the thugs always update like whatever's going on in the in the main story, they're constantly updating their sound bites. Uh, I thought that was, you know, that's really interesting uh, as well. I didn't get so much of a sense of that in this game, but there are a bunch of like kind of like NPCs that do really interesting things. Like if you go down to like the Freedom Tower, they talk about nine eleven. Yeah. D- did you experience that? I've seen a YouTube video where they did that. I did not actually see that myself. But yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. The other thing that's kind of like the thugs updating is like the daily bugles. And I didn't know that you kind of had to do the daily bugles as you were doing the game because you can miss out on getting them later mm. because they're not available anymore because, you know, the events have changed in, in the game. At least that's what I've been made to be aware of. And uh, I think that's fairly interesting. And I guess like the Jonah podcast kind of operates as like, yeah, well, he's not a thug, but he might as well be like update, updating you on whatever's going on around town, at least from a very twisted perspective. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for those podcasts. Uh, Like, it seemed like every time I did anything substantial, like, uh, you know, just beat a base or whatever, uh, he would have something new to say after it. And that's a lot. That's a lot of writing. (laughs) Uh, It is, but it pays off huge. Like, it also makes the kind of, like, endgame stuff more fun because it's not just you cleaning stuff up in a vacuum you know you you have commentary going on yeah totally so let's talk about this open world because you know i don't think we've ever seen anything quite like this in in a spider-man game right uh, or really in like many games in general like there's a level of detail put into this that like i i can't say i i've experienced very much and and i have to say like i'm not a fan typically of open world games like uh, i can appreciate Red Dead Redemption for all the things that it's doing, but I found that game hugely boring to play because so okay. many of its missions are relegated to moving from point A to point B while listening to dialogue or just hitting your horse over and over again. But there was something about Spider-Man, and maybe it's just my love of Spider-Man, that made that fun, and I think it's the web slinging. Like, that's entirely it, is getting from point A to point B is in its very essence the most fun part of the game. 
Yeah, you know, and and I think for a lot of people, that was the most important part that they had to nail since, you know, everyone holds uh, Spider-Man 2 on this pedestal and that was its bread and butter. And and yeah, they totally nailed that. And just the, yeah, the, the huge amount of detail uh, throughout the city, you know, most of the neighborhoods kind of feel like they actually do more so than, uh, you know, some of the past open world Spidey games have just kind of been different sized buildings throughout the city and sure some of them have storefronts and some don't and you know th- there's a lot of storefronts uh there's a lot of easter eggs you can find in those storefronts that you know they they definitely like on some a lot of the buildings are uh from spider-man comics and you really have to be a fan like uh you or i to know what they are <laughs> you know it's it's just fun to to swing through the city and there's uh there's there's the heart clinic. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't see the heart clinic. There's all sorts of stuff that you you probably didn't see. Uh, I've you know I've looked at like Reddit and stuff for for Easter eggs, and it's like you know I didn't know Smythe International is there. I totally missed that. Uh, you know, it, there's just a, a a ton of cool things like that, and just it's the city itself is uh, you know they obviously can't use real brand name places uh and you know in some cases they have to change what the buildings actually are uh for licensing reasons but um you know it definitely feels like new york (laughs) more than any uh spider-man game has for sure uh i think probably the only real open world competition would be uh grand theft auto 4 still but you, you know that's very ground level obviously um and it's not technically new york either Right, they can get into kind of like the twisted turns of the overpasses and things like that. This is very much like mm-hmm. smoothed out. Like if I were driving a car around this New York, I'm not sure I would recognize it so much as New York. But from the skyline, it's you know, it's it's so faithful. You know, uh, I know exactly where I'm going based on where I can look around the city and say like that direction is X. You know, like I can really kind of get my bearings almost immediately. And and the feel of the neighborhoods is right too, you know? Yeah. Like I know when I'm in Hell's Kitchen and I know when I'm in Midtown, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's no mistaking it, especially someone who lived in New York. Uh, I found it really refreshing and, you know, cruising up Broadway, I, you know, I, I knew <laughs> what angle I was at to get to where I wanted to be and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's obviously not a one-to-one representation, but, you know, it's pretty close, more so than anything I've seen in an open-world game. Right. There's not a giant church and graveyard in, like, North Harlem. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, once you get (laughs) that far north, I think uh, less people become familiar with, you know, what they expect out of New York, so it becomes a little uh, little more okay. I think, you know, when when I worked on uh, LEGO Marvel Super Heroes... The very northernmost part of Manhattan is Westchester County, <laughs> which is where the X-Mansion is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, uh, plus a few islands that don't really exist, right, in that yeah. game? Yeah. 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 I would have liked to have been able to go out to the Statue of Liberty and swing around it to some regard. You know, at least, very least to bump into the Human Torch or something like that. At some point, they will allow us to do that. I, I have no doubt. But, you know, like what... How much can you really do there other than just be there? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. might be enough, though. Yeah. I want to perch on top of the torch. Yeah, sure, sure. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I, I live in New York now myself. I, well, I actually live in Westchester County. And uh, so I, I go to the city every so often. But it is kind of weird just seeing the huge raft out there. Like that is uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that is not something you're uh, used to seeing. Uh, is that technically Roosevelt Island? Uh, you know, I don't know enough to say for sure, but it it seems like it would be. It's yeah, like their stand-in for that. Yeah, yeah, it kind of seems like it would be. Where Spider-Man once fought the Sandman, for <laughs> for all you nerds out there, which is probably most of you. Yeah, if you're uh, listening to this, you're probably a nerd. <laughs> Sorry to break it to you. What did you think about the web slinging itself? I mean, it's different enough to kind of identify. You know, um, it, it's it's both you know like complex and and nuanced, but also less complex. And nuanced than some of the other ones we'd seen before. What are your feelings on that? Yeah, I, I thought it. I thought it was great overall. Um, you know, I thought you got a nice uh, kind of growing sense of momentum as you played, and the the kind of mechanic they have where you can basically leap off if you time your jump right and get a nice speed boost. I thought it was a lot of fun. And maybe in some ways even more efficient getting through the city than just pure web swinging. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think, you know, I, I haven't played Spider-Man 2 in 13 years. So I'm not going to say, like, you know, one's better than the other. But, you know, just based on my memory of Spider-Man 2, I think uh, it, it's certainly on par and, you know, maybe in some ways better. And, you know, I, like you said earlier, I, I just love going to missions on completely completely opposite sides of the island uh, to, you know, maybe I'll make it to that mission I'm going to, or maybe I'll get distracted and start taking pictures or, you know, uh, just, uh, yeah, just the, the web swinging is so much fun. Even stuff like uh, chasing pigeons, which is kind of silly, uh, you know, like the, the way it kind of tests your ability to do that, I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I I have no beefs really at all with the web swinging. You can do the the, the tricks, kind of add something to it. You know, I just kind of did it every so often. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty satisfied with how that turned out. I I agree. It, it was a ton of fun. I mean, there there's a part of me that wants some of the kind of like old things from Ultimate Spider-Man back, where it, like if you latch onto a building, it pulls you towards that building. You know, so you kind of have to think about which side of the street you're on and things like that. And I, I like that game. You, you can climb the web while you're swinging on it. There were times where I kind of wanted to do that to kind of like, you know, control my release a little bit more, especially when I was doing the drone challenges, which really kind of, that's where you kind of notice the limitations of like where the height places you, you know, cause like sometimes you get that really great vertigo moment or the G-force moment when you're swinging close to the ground, but you don't have a lot of control over like the angle or, or shortness of your swing in a way that you did in, say, like Ultimate Spider-Man. But I think just for getting around town, the kind of accessibility of it is – it's a perfect trade-off because it's so fun to do. I mean it would have been nice to maybe have something like that, like climbing the webs, if in case you wanted to master – you know spinning your webs a little bit more than it's what's available to you in this game. Like I think there's, you can kind of get to mastery really quickly. You know, once you get the hang of it and the rhythm of it, you're kind of a master like right away. Uh, Like there's little things that you might not remember. Like if you're running on the side of a building and you hold circle down, he automatically pulls himself around the corner of the building 
and things like that where you, like certain button presses like running up the building and pressing X and then flipping over the top will you know definitely you know make prove you a master but there there are I do wish there was like a little bit more where it's like you don't have to do this but if you really want to get into climbing the web and cutting your things off and uh, things like that would allow you to really show off your kind of pro level at it but like you said it's really a balance between using the web zip and landing your target in the right place you know uh and then using your swing to you know nail those taskmaster challenges where you get to be uh kind of a pro at it it's mostly it's just fun and like i found myself using doing countless hours of just swinging around the city going nowhere yeah. <laughs> in particular and I can't say that for something like GTA or Red Dead or anything like that where I'm just like, I'll just idle with my horse for a while. Like, that's just not going to happen. Um, and so, uh, to me, that, like, the web slinging that it's so fun, it it's the backbone of this game because you're doing so much going from place to place. If it wasn't fun, this game would be so boring. Um, and thankfully, it, it's, it's really not. You, you want to talk about, like... Things to do in the city, like obviously we've talked about the Taskmaster stuff and the pigeon thing, which, <laughs> which is bizarre, but okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, how did you feel about the crimes and stuff? You know, it depended on the mood I was in, whether I would go and do them or not. Usually I would just go to whatever I was, uh, you know, whatever I had in my sights, whether it was a story mission or the story and side missions were pretty much what I was most interested in. And backpacks. Sure. <laughs> I guess we can talk about backpacks as well. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I, if if the crime was kind of convenient and right there, and you know, I wasn't like just bound and determined to get to this other waypoint, then you know, I, I would go and do it. And you know, now that I'm pushing the hundred percent, I should probably. I mean, I know I have to go and uh, you know find all the crimes that I have not found yet. You know the and. I'm glad that New York is not this this rampant in uh, crime in real life. <laughs> Especially as you get into the third act of the game, where it's just like literally every rooftop has missile yeah. launchers and snipers on it. Yeah, it's uh, it's very evenly distributed crime too. It's like <laughs> there's no like certain part of the city that's more criminal than others. So yeah, I, and you know like stuff like finding backpacks. I, I that was what I did first, <laughs> like the, the backpacks. Uh, Finding backpacks as I did all the radio towers so I could open up the whole city. Um, and, you know, I, I found I spent hours like scrutinizing every single thing that came in the backpacks just for the, the cool Easter eggs. And, you know, a lot of times I knew like exactly what they were referencing. Like, uh, you know, if, this is from my first battle with the Shocker, you know, and then other times there's stuff I wasn't so sure about. So I had to look it up. So it was, uh, it was just a, it showed how much kind of love they had for the character. And I, 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 I gotta wonder like how many people they had like delving into all this stuff and suggesting things to find. Cause you know, if you put that on a person or two, like they really got to know their stuff and they got to be reading a lot of Spider-Man all the time. They got to be listening to a lot of amazing spider talk. They probably just brought in Dan Slott. <laughs> I think what they said is, is Dan was there basically for, you know, a couple meetings and, and, you know, helped kind of, he and Nick Lowe kind of helped, uh, drive the direction. And then like, uh, Insomniac's writers and Krista Gage kind of like 
you know, take, took the ball and ran with it from there. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, scored a lot of touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of really dorky stuff hidden in this. You know, like there's the um, the cover from uh, oh, what Amazing Spider-Man is it? Where the, there's the the protest on campus, like '96 yeah. or whatever it is. You know, like that's on screen for four seconds. You yep. know, like I wasn't able to hit my share button fast enough <laughs> to really register that one. Yeah, I saw somebody posted online, and I didn't screen capture it. So uh, I'm working on a an Easter egg video that we're going to talk about separately from this discussion. And, uh, you know, I, I wish I had that in there, but I don't, but I know I'm you're sure you about. can find it. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, I thought the crimes were actually really like great. At least there was more than like three of them, you know, like there was a variety mm-hmm. and uh, even towards like a hundred percent in the game on the last few ones, I discovered like some new crimes that I'd never seen before. Like, um, like you'd encounter a police officer and he'd say there was like a bomb in a building and you have to dismantle different elements of the bomb in order to turn the whole thing off. And I had never seen that one. I don't think I've before. seen that. Yeah. Yeah, there's different like um like heist crimes too, like ones where you know, you'll uh like stop multiple cars and there's bombs in multiple cars and then more goons will come and there's like gang wars that you encounter later on in the game where it's like fist guys versus like Simcarian you know, uh, soldiers or, or, um, the, you know, the devil's guys. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, there was a real nice variety of them. I mean, it's certainly more than we've ever seen in a Spider-Man game before, I think. Um, and it made them fun to do. Um, there's also like the Simcarian kind of watchtower ones, which are really tough. Um, I never quite got the crime tokens for those because you have to take down like 10 guys with stealth and, I could never do it uh, because there's that watchtower that's like trying to set you off. And if you pull the watchtower down, it alerts everybody. So I never quite understood how I was supposed to be doing that. I really enjoyed a lot of the side quests. It was nice to kind of take down Tombstone. Yeah, absolutely. In a side quest. And also um, I thought that it was nice to see Screwball in the game actually really fit in with the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought that the way they leveraged that character was really interesting. Um, and Philip Chang has this kind of ongoing side quest out of ESU yeah. where he has you like hunting down students. I didn't think it was the most fun, but like it definitely like played into the whole Mr. Negative is corroding people in an interesting way. And the final brouhaha in um, Washington Square Park with like the entire football team, I think, is really bizarre fun. Have you done that yet? I think I've not played that yet. Yeah, I, that that was uh, that is a mission I have not completed yet. Um, well, spoilers, so. spoilers right. on that one. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's a lot of kind of uh, fun strangeness to be had um, from all these characters, and obviously the black cat one has a really kind of nice payoff reward. Even if obviously we're getting her in the DLC, I'd lo- would have loved to have seen her in the game. But the kind of tease you get, you know, has a bunch of kind of neat Easter eggs that are a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, I, I'm totally cool with what they did with Black Cat because one, she's been in almost every Spider-Man game this century, uh, and, and you know, it's kind of cool to see her there, but not. And then it's also just good setup for the DLC that's coming uh, very soon. You know, I don't know if they've announced a date yet exactly, but it is October. Yeah. So uh, I, I was. I was totally happy with what they did with Black Cat. Yeah. 
I mean, I guess, like, just to round out this whole discussion of the gameplay element, I really think this game is kind of more than the sum of its parts. You know, like, there are things like the stealth that I don't necessarily love, but it's there enough that, like, I enjoy it, and altogether it makes me feel like this character in a way that I don't think any other Spider-Man game really truly ever has. And, you know, you can't help but walk away from this, like, loving being this character and just... I'm eagerly awaiting the day for the DLC to drop. I just want another reason to get back into this again. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just going back to a couple things uh, you talked about, uh, you know, Tombstone, this is really the first appearance of the character. I guess he, you know, I actually worked on Marvel Heroes, and I I didn't even remember that he's in that game. But you you take down Tombstone just as, like, a, a mini boss. You know, there's no, like, story behind him, really, or anything. But, uh, you know, Tombstone's never been in a Spider-Man game before. Has Taskmaster? Uh, no. No, Taskmaster, I think, is only... Uh, yeah, he's been in, like, uh, a few games since 2010, I would say. Like, Marvel's Capcom, Marvel Heroes, but never a Spider-Man game. And I thought it was interesting that he is in this game, actually, because he's, you know, he's had his run-ins with Spider-Man, of course, but he's not, like, a Spider-Man character. He's an Avengers character. Yeah, that that is interesting, uh, and they kind of like pose in that way. Like, shouldn't he, I think Spider Man even says like, "Don't you have like bigger guys to go and like, <laughs> fight off against?" You know. Yeah. Now I don't know how you did against Taskmaster, or if you've defeated him ultimately, um, but I found out from a friend that if you lose to him, it makes you go and get more advanced trophies from his stuff in order to replay him. Interesting. Yeah, I've fought him once. Uh, I've, I, I'm sure there's another confrontation, but I fought him. I'm going to say on a building top and I yeah. beat him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's pretty cool how they brought him in there. Cause he's a great character to have in that kind of position. Well, spoilers for you, Chris, you fight him <laughs> three times. One okay. of the things that I found really interesting was in like the third time he knocked me off the roof of the building. And I thought, surely I'm going to have to go back up there to fight him again. He's just going to be trapped on that roof. But no, he follows you down to the street. Oh, wow. And continues fighting you there amongst people and even, like, threatens people nearby. And, like, Spider-Man says, like, I've got to contain this before it spreads elsewhere. And I thought, wow. Like, I I can't imagine that they, you know, I thought I would have lost or something. They built this whole system where he follows you down to the street. And actually, it's to your benefit to take him down to the street because the best way to defeat Taskmaster is just throw stuff at him. So if you just leave the rooftop, you know, you could pick up any, you know, Tom, Dick, and Harry on the street and just chuck it at him, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and he's easier to take down. So I don't know. I thought that was really interesting, um, kind of how that allowed itself to develop quite a bit. Yeah, I wonder, too, like, if there's any possibility of, uh, you know, this being kind of planting seeds for, like, a bigger Marvel plan to bring Taskmaster and MCU or something. Um, I don't think he's been in any he's been in agents of shield or something like that i'm not aware of i don't think so but you know sometimes the you can see like kind of seeds being planted of of, uh this is a a major game and a lot of people are getting uh to know that character and if they hear that taskmaster is going to be in a an iron man movie or something (laughs) that's like oh i know i kind of know who that is that makes it a little more appealing yeah, you could see like an Alistair Smythe or something playing a very similar role to the ta- Taskmaster if they really wanted to use a Spider-Man character. So it's interesting that you say that, but it also could kind of highlight the future games in this series where it's like, we don't want to use Smythe because we got 
plans for future series, you know, wh- however concrete they are, you want to leave some characters open for their potential appearance, you know, all down the line. Yeah. So let's talk about the story of this game because we've kind of, you know, um, beat around the bush about it. I mean, uh, what do you think of the overall story? I guess like the pacing of that story and how it kind of integrates into the game systems. Well, pacing in a, any video game story, especially an open world video game story, is incredibly challenging for a game developer because everybody plays your game in different ways. It's like there's going to be some people who just do the story and like they're laser focused on that. Then there's going to be people who, you know, do the story and they do a little bit of other things kind of evenly throughout. There's going to be people who save the story for completely last, you know, that's like storytelling in an open world game is one of the hardest ways to tell a story (laughs) in video games, I think. And I think they did, you know, pretty much as good of a job as I've, I've seen. Um, and the story's really cool and has some great character moments. The only, like, if I have any beefs with it at all, it, you know, it does kind of save a lot for the last third of the game. Like, you know, you don't really get to know the Sinister Six really until they're there. Uh, you know, there's hints that you've bought Scorpion and Electro and all them throughout, but, you know, they're kind of, they, they, they all like make their appearance after the raft basically. And then you take them out and, you know, then the game's pretty close to being over. But, you know, at the same time, if they had, you can only really focus on so many villains. And in this one, it's Doc Ock and, uh, and Mr. Negative. And I, I especially found what they did with Mr. Negative to be really interesting because one, you know, you do kind of feel for the guy and two, they, they diverted from the comics quite a bit, I would say, in that stuff like, uh, for a long time, Martin Lee had no idea he was also evil, right? <laughs> it, it it took like, I don't know, 50 to 100 issues before uh, the Martin Lee side of uh, Mr. Negative kind of understood that he was also Mr. Negative. Yeah. Whereas, like, in this version of Mr. Negative it's kind of, it's it really is an alter ego. You know, it's like he knows it the whole time and he has an agenda the whole time. And this, the same is true with like Dr. Octopus too. You know, yeah. like you, you kind of learn that like you've been watching this guy degrade in terms of his like mental health and, and how powerful he is. But ultimately there's this great moment where you're kind of unpacking his warehouse later in the game. And you realize, no, this guy has been planning this underneath Peter Parker's nose for, I don't know, months? You know, like completely unrelated to his psychosis that, you know, finally seizes him when he has his extra appendages. Yeah. But even there, it's like, I feel like Dr. Octopus it was kind of still in line with, like, Spider-Man 2 Dr. Octopus. Yeah. Uh, you know, a, a little bit more of a mentor character than you could do in a two-hour movie. But, you know... I it, just going back to Mr. Negative in, in terms of uh, kind of like giving us a different take, it's like in, in a video game, I think you can really do that with a character like Mr. Negative because most people don't know who he is. Probably more people know this Mr. Negative now than comic book Mr. Negative. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, in some cases, 
like if a, a movie character becomes popular in the movies and they were just kind of mildly popular in the comics, the comic book version sort of becomes what the movie version was. It'll be interesting to see if like comic book Mr. Negative becomes a lot more like uh, video game Mr. Negative. You know, they're not going to change his origins or anything, but uh, I, I just found that that really interesting, just how much they diverted, which it was welcome. It worked. It worked in this story. And it's its own universe. It can do whatever it wants, you know, in the same way that Ultimate Comics uh, are pretty much more or less in line with what 616 did. But, you know, they divert a lot, too. (laughs) They're all bound to influence each other in some way. Yeah. You know, like I found that this Dr. Octopus to be an improvement on Spider-Man 2's Dr. Octopus. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's not its own thing. You know, it's very much from the inhibitor inhibitor chip on you know to like the kind of father figure that he is it's very much kind of an a a copy of that but an improved copy and and used to really wonderful benefit i think the most powerful kind of like confrontation scene in the entire game is the one that you know between them after he's defeated him you know a Mm -hmm. really powerful moment that um i think spider-man 2 was trying to achieve and largely pulls off with, you know, I mean, it has the help of Alfred Molina to really sell it, you know. Uh, but, like, here it's like, okay, they, they, they refine this idea, and the dramatic payoffs are even stronger. Um, and, and that was really exciting to me. Yeah, and, you know, in the same way that, like, you read the novel of something, and it's usually better than the movie because you can get in the characters' heads a lot more. Just like the the way that a video game is a longer experience than a movie, it allows for that relationship between Doc Ock and Peter to to really kind of blossom a little bit more than it would in a, in a two hour film. So I, I think that in that way they're using the medium to its advantage. You know. So Chris, going back to something you were saying about the kind of like pacing of the villains and Sinister Six and all that stuff. If I had really one big complaint about the game, it's probably that that, that feels so rammed into the or crammed into the third act of, of, of the game. Like, one of the most thrilling parts of the game to me was the Shocker uh, takedown. I love how it evolved from him, like, bouncing around the streets of New York with his, like, shock mm-hmm. blasts and ultimately ending in a bank, you know, fight. And I don't love that battle so much, although I thought it was one of the more interesting kind of boss battles in the game. But I love that kind of seeing the versatility of that character and him kind of, you know, you know, move, utilizing New York for a boss fight in a way that I don't think we really got with anybody else. Like, I would have loved to have, like, a vulture battle where I'm swinging through the city, chasing after him, or, you know, whatever. And I have to think that, Ultimately, that came down to not having the time to develop a boss fight for every single member of the Sinister Six. And in in replacement, we get these really great boss fights where, you know, we're getting double villains. Yeah. Which I thought were really neat, and it finally kind of brings combat into aerial space in, in a unique way. But those would have been so much more powerful if it was like, I've already fought this guy on his own and he was hard, and now I have to fight them together, and it's going to be even harder. And some of them were really hard. I thought the Scorpion Rhino thing was really tricky to kind of pull off and manage. Um, but I would have loved to have take them, taken them down during that second act where there's just a really long stretch of some really unique sequences like the helicopter sequence or at Fish Tower and 
um, the Grand Central Terminal and the kind of uh, truck top, you know, tank fight uh, yeah. with the negative demons. But ultimately it comes down to you're fighting like the same demons characters over and 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 over again. I was like, are we ever going to have another super-powered boss battle in this game? Just one or two would, I think, really have broken that up really successfully. Yeah, yeah, I, I can definitely see that argument. Um, yeah, it is it is rather backloaded in terms of that. But, you know, I think what we get is is pretty great. Pretty great. You know, like uh, that one you're talking about with the... The two uh, with the sorry Rhino and Scorpion, I thought was awesome. Like I don't remember, I don't think I've actually seen like that kind of a fight uh, in a. I'm sure maybe there's been something in a Spider-Man game before, uh, but you know, every so often there are like new things like that 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 are if they're not brand new, they're very uncommon. And you know, I was trying to think like, is there any kind of rivalry in the comics, or has there been between Scorpion and Rhino? Because I, I don't know of anything off the top of my head. No, I don't think so. Although I liked that it played up the kind of like Norman um, uh, Doc Ock rivalry that kind of exists in Amazing Spider-Man, but really exists in Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, totally. Yeah, uh, you know, it, and it just does a great job overall of establishing its world. I mean, that's. Maybe a whole other conversation here, but um, yeah, uh, yeah the 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 whole like scorpion kind of poisons you, and you you know you have this kind of delusional world was pretty cool. It felt a little more Mysterio to me in some ways, but uh, at the same time, you know I guess you're poisoned, and and that's what it's doing. It's a little weird. You can die. In that kind of environment, <laughs> um, that you know, where there re- isn't really like uh, there's like a river of acid, if I remember correctly, <laughs> and, right? With the giant yeah, tails yeah. that come out of it. Yeah, yeah, you, you can die in that, and it's like I wonder what that really is. You know, I like the Mister Negative World stuff even mm-hmm. more. I thought the first time you went in there, that was really exciting. I I didn't know what was going to happen, and you fight like a giant like demon beast, which I I thought was really fun. That whole ESU campus sequence, I, I think, is one of the best moments in the game, if not just for the Greg Miller, uh, <laughs> you know, cameo. Yeah, totally. And it it not only was, like, a cool kind of thing to throw in there just because this is, like, a real-world event we can all relate to, but it also, like, gave you a chance to see, like, classic Lizard and classic Rhino and classic Electro and classic Mysterio you know, all these, uh, like, classic looks of the characters, uh, you know, that were bought at Party City or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's, uh, I really enjoyed that part. You know, a lot of the costumes repeat a lot, but that's just uh, a function of being a, a video game and only having so much memory and time to create new costumes and stuff. But uh, I, I that, that is definitely a highlight of the game is that whole sequence for sure. There's there's so much tonally that they get right in this game. You know, like, I think that, like, Spider-Man himself is a wonderful creation and one of the best interpretations of the character we've ever we've ever seen. You know, like, just the vo- from the voice of Yuri Lowenthal on, on, on up, you know, like, it, it is a guy that is as well-intentioned as, as you could imagine in a video game. And that itself was very refreshing, just... Being a good guy in a game that just wants to make the world a better place. 
that is a great point because there's so many games where you're if you're not bad you're at least like ambiguously heroic you know <laughs> you could go either way but yeah like spidey is is definitely uh out to do what's right you know i think we need that you know it, it there was a time where that felt very uh maybe cliche or hokey even but you know once we've had so many like not definitively good characters i think it's nice to come back to just being good just unquestionably good and the world reflects that too like people like you in this game and and and, you know that might not be like what we expect from a typical spider-man scenario but it was nice to be like you know what if i do do good people will respond to that in some way, you know, like not everybody's going to be like you know, hanging on the word of J. Jonah Jameson. And in today's kind of political culture, it was actually kind of nice to escape into a world where it's like, Oh, if you do good, good things happen. Like, even if that's not really reality for a lot of the time, right. Which got me to my favorite part of this game that it's a weird thing to be my favorite part of the game, but very early on in the game, when they're teaching you how to like beat up villains and the difference between the like low level thugs and the big bruisers is you save this woman from a bunch of thugs and you just think she's just any other NPC that's just gonna disappear um, for the rest of the game. And that's what I thought. I didn't really pay much attention to it. She doesn't really thank you beyond being like the cursory like, hey, thanks for saving me, Spider Man. Uh, you know, kind of thing. And I don't know. I think this is optional. So maybe you didn't even encounter this. I'm trying to think of what you're talking about. So yeah, keep talking. So, so when you go to feast for the first time and you're walking around the homeless shelter and there's a couple of great characters you can kind of keep coming back to over and over again, like the people playing chess who kind of develop this relationship, you know, uh, through their chess playing or the guy, I don't know if you saw this as a guy that goes to interview for a job and you kind of follow him as he slowly works his way out of homelessness. But there's this, the woman that you save appears there at feast. And as Peter Parker, you can talk to her and she says, you know, my life was saved by Spider-Man. He told me about this place and it's really helped to turn my life around. And to me, that was like really powerful, you know, like yeah, Gloria, Gloria is who you're talking about. Yeah, that, that yeah. that's her name. Yeah, and it and it to me, like it affirmed the entire game for me. It was like, oh, okay, like I'm gonna do good, and it's actually gonna have a tangible benefit. You know, I wish you could go into feast when you weren't mandated to as a story, and just encounter. It would be nice to go back in there and encounter stories of people you've saved. Actually, I I've seen video online of the the end game feast like after you've beaten the game and there are like new things that people say really um yeah i i haven't gone in there myself but i did stumble across a video that was uh just a that you know they're talking about what happened and it's pretty cool so there you go so maybe maybe my dreams already exist yeah yeah just go back to the game try to figure out how to get in there <laughs> yeah i found all the feast stuff so refreshing and rewarding i mean that includes like aunt may's characterization yep I thought was excellent, and I think ultimately what befalls her is an amazing Spider-Man moment where he has to choose between his aunt and the rest of the city, a classic no-win Spider-Man scenario. I thought that was wonderful. For a long time, I thought for sure 
we were getting Master Planner in this mm. story because they set up like Aunt May is sick and yeah. there's like the hospital in the feast center and Otto has the cure. And I thought, oh, I mean, they're essentially doing Master Planner. I was so hoping that, that we would get like having to fight our way out of like a, a flooding, you know, right. system. Um, I guess maybe that's like the raft, I guess, in this version, you know. Yeah, but, I feel uh, like there was a part that, that kind of directly referenced that. Uh, Oh, there's very early on in the game when he, like, is saving people during the kingpin thing. He lifts yeah, the rubble off of him. But I, like, midway through the game, like, tweeted at Christos Gage, like, is this going to be the master planner? And he <laughs> said, like, don't get your hopes up, but, like, we're not doing that exact thing. We're doing something different. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's, like, a, a, an undertone for, for the entire game. Like, we're, there's a lot of familiarity here, but it's all in a different kind of shell, which I think... You know, it's that's great. I I'd certainly I, I'm a big fan of direct adaptations if they're done well, but at the same time, I'm also a fan of being surprised. So, you know, I, there was definitely I had the same thoughts about you know Aunt May being sick and everything, but you know I think she she used to get sick like every twenty or thirty issues. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's just kind of a, a theme uh, with with that, you know, and and I think I think. Probably if, if there is one thing I'm just kind of – I wish they had done that they didn't do. I, I, I wish they had given you the the choice as a player to make that call at the very end, to, to make Peter's decision. You know, they, they went with, you know, what I – if you went one way or the other, what I would consider the canon decision. You know, right. there's other games like Star Wars The Force Unleashed or something where you can choose to, to be – good or bad at the end and then there's like the canon version and the non-canon version which i guess are both non-canon versions now but um i i feel like they could have like just let us see what would have happened if we had saved aunt may and you know maybe the whole city turns against us and you know it's not like anything grand it's just uh just people yelling or there's fewer people (laughs) (laughs) you are not a hero comes on the screen yeah 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 um but you know like i i understand if they want to have like a nice kind of clean experience and and the i think again too just the fact this game is so good it, it like it makes you really think about the minor quibbles you have with it you know, it, it, and it makes them seem like something more than they really are. Right. I mean, any anything that we're nitpicking is like yeah. just that. It's like, I love this thing. And like, you know, there's just this little thing that sticks in your brain. Like the final battle with Otto was amazing, but mine glitched and he got stuck on the side of the oh, building. No. Oh, and no. I had to reset it. And I was like, oh, you know, it really broke me out of yeah. out of it. I also thought that final battle was far too easy. Um, you just had to like web him up and then pull like a special maneuver and it was yeah. kind of just a cakewalk for me. I, I don't I, know. I think in some ways it's designed to be, it's like once you get to, to that point in the game, like I think, I think there, there's kind of actually almost a, I don't know if movement's the right word, but a trend maybe, uh, of, of people even voicing, I hear this a lot on podcasts, you know, like give me a nice challenge for, you know, an escalating challenge maybe until the second to last battle and then like let the last battle like feel like it's something, but I want to win it <laughs> and, and I want a nice, like clean win. And, and, you know, I, I felt like 
I didn't feel like I was just uh, coasting through it. You know, I did beat it, I think, on my first try. Yeah. Like I'm guessing you did, too. It was technically the second because it glitched. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, you know, it, it felt like you were uh, – it still felt like you were doing something, and it was it was a set piece. You know, it was a uh, – it was uh, the finale of a Bruckheimer movie or something. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was explosions and cool camera angles, and it was just a, a really kind of memorable way to end things. And, you know, if, if you make it too hard and you do that over and over again, it kind of takes away the epicness of it a little bit i think i I think i see what you're saying yeah like when i was on the side of the building punching dr octopus i wanted to win yeah you know like uh, it would have been not fun to do that again and hear him repeat the same dialogue again like that is one of the most epic moments i've ever played in a video game you know it's it's a pretty simple button press you know affair you dodge you punch you dodge you punch you know yeah they they even do things like they they do things like they take away the the hud so you can't see your health yeah right it 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 looks super cinematic because of that and you know it wouldn't surprise me if maybe you you actually can't lose (laughs) sometimes developers will do stuff like that because they want you to feel like that that this really badass battle has happened and you came out on top um and you know I, i think that still comes through um, just with all the stuff happening, it you know feels like at times maybe that you might not pull it out, but you uh, you do. So I don't know for sure. You, you might be able to die. I don't know, <laughs> but it wouldn't surprise me if if if, if they kind of rigged it like that. It's an illusion, smoke and mirrors. Well, we could talk about this forever. And I said my favorite moment. Do you have a favorite moment from the game? I think we've talked. It, it was probably the. Uh, the grand central part with Mary Jane, uh, just cause that was, that was like very basic gameplay that had like an edge to it that made it feel like something different. And then, yeah, I, I love the, the doc Ock fight. I love the Halloween scene, you know, kind of going through Mysterio's, uh, like fun house or whatever. You know, I saw somebody point out, you know, you kind of do that in the Spider-Man two game and, you know, maybe that was a nod to that. It could have been, it's possible. I think as a whole, what I really like about the game, or at least like its representation of Spider-Man, is that it does feel very familiar, but it's definitely its own universe, and it definitely like has its own rules, and kind of discovering what those are while also still kind of clinging to stuff we know from the comics, it, it kind of does a nice balance of that. And I, you know that's just kind of like an overall thing that it does, as opposed to a certain part of the game. But I think that's probably what my actual favorite thing they've done is. Besides just being fun to play. <laughs> it's very easy to say that something is like a love letter to a character. I feel like it's a bit overused. But this really does feel like they've pulled from not just the comics and the movies, but they've pulled from everything you could imagine in regards to crafting this kind of ultimate version of you know, what this character is, you know, in, in gaming. And I think they're obviously reaping the reward of that. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, for all of my nitpicks or desires about what a future game could be, you know, I I can't imagine myself having too much more fun. You know, it's not like I was like, I really want to fight a supervillain. I was still having a blast doing what I was doing at any given moment. And there were certainly moments in it that I felt like, 
there must be an audience of five that really understand the reference they're making or the joke yeah. they're making. You know, I, 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 we're going to do an Easter egg, uh, you know, video for your channel. And I can't wait to see what you've discovered because I found a lot myself that I was like, there's got to be like four people that know what this is, you know? Uh, and, <laughs> I mean, yeah. And probably those four people like, were like that number looks oddly specific. I'm going to look into it on the internet. That's like how I found most of my stuff. Uh, you know, th- there are a few things here and there that there's like the super, you know, not to sound like a, uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> there, there's a, as a Spider-Man super, super fan, it's, it's interesting to see like the, uh, you know, the people who like Spider-Man or, or the Marvel universe and stuff, they're, they're like geeking out over Avengers tower being in there. And that's cool. I'm glad it's there, yeah. but it's like. You know, I, uh, I I'm more geeking out that in their Twitter feed, the guy who's the quarterback was actually in Amazing Spider-Man number 188 for like five panels, and that's it. And you see him in the Twitter feed all the time. And I, I think he, I haven't fought him yet, but I think he, d- he does, from what I've heard, like show up in that uh, scene that you're talking about. You know that that's like such a deep cut and. You know that someone had to have specifically read that random issue that isn't really noteworthy in any way. It's jigsaw. <laughs> it's like okay, uh, yeah. It, it just stuff like that that's like so random. Um, you know, there, there's so many. There's so many like names that they kind of pick that actually are something that like when it's not, it's like kind of a disappointment <laughs> when it really shouldn't be you know there's only a few of the uh the names in the twitter feed that actually are somebody but you know you, you, and there's part of me is like why isn't everybody like just from a random issue which, which you know is like a stupid nitpick but yeah it just goes to show when you put so much love into something that whenever something isn't there uh it just becomes more apparent which is not a fault of theirs. <laughs> it's more faults of, of me, I think, uh, if I ever have those thoughts. Well, so speaking of like little details, I loved kind of peeking through Norman Osborne's apartment. You know, mm-hmm. that was kind of like the treasure trove. You know, the you're just waiting to open that door and find the goblin costume. You know, just like anybody who's playing this knows is a step ahead of uh, of Mary Jane there. And it's like, Mary Jane, you really don't want to go in that room. But ultimately, right. you're guiding her there. You know, let, let's talk about the end of this, the the, the very kind of post-credit sting. Oh, yeah, Obvi- yeah. Obviously, we didn't get Norman Osborn, like, as the Green Goblin in this game, which I think was shocking to me. Like, I was waiting for that character to, every time there was someone off screen, I was like, oh, it's Norman Osborn, it's Norman Osborn, and it never was. He's ultimately, like, not a villain necessarily in this game. Right. He's sympathetic. He's a guy trying to save his family in some regard. And it's Otto who's the real bad guy. Um, what did you think about that? There, there are some villainous things that uh, Norman is associated with. I mean, like, calling in a whole, basically, martial law. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's all on him. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, he is doing it for his son, uh, which... You know, that's a sympathetic goal. And yeah, we, we yeah, we get that kind of stinger. But yeah, just in terms of uh, 
of what they did with Norman, I think what it really speaks to is the fact that they have created a universe here and it's not just a one and done thing. They're thinking a game, maybe two games ahead. Like, uh, if he doesn't become the goblin in Spider-Man two, I, I, I wouldn't be totally surprised. Maybe they're like saving it for like a trilogy and, and that's when it happens like in the third game or something. Um, you know, like if you remember, like the Raimi movies had Kurt Connors in every one and he never became a lizard. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> it, it's like, it's that kind of a, of a universe building thing that, uh, you know, you know, past games I worked on, I tried to get that involved, but there just wasn't, there wasn't enough of a plan involved. It was, it was like, okay, Sony's doing a movie, so we have to make a movie game. Um, so, you know, we were kind of, I think if you look at the Amazing Spider-Man 1, like, if you go back and look at its bios and everything, you'll see stuff that I was trying to make happen to make it, like, its own <laughs> universe. But, like, they, with their own universe that they have here, with the plan, the three-plus years of planning that went into establishing this universe, it totally comes through, and I think that's that's awesome. But, uh, you know, just going back to what we're talking about, Norman Osborn, you know, that stinger. And then, you know, I, I think it sort of insinuates that Harry will become Venom. Is that your takeaway as well? Sure. I mean, who knows? It's 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 definitely pulling from that Amazing Spider-Man 2 movie thing where it's like there's some kind of genetic disorder associated with the Osborns and their their hair. Um, no, not, not their hair. So I don't really know. I mean, I found that story in that movie to be super clunky and really kind of dumb. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think we ever really saw the play out of that. Um, I'm curious to see what they're doing with this, you know, like, is this, is the Venom symbiote related to the genetic disorder? Is it something entirely different? Like, uh, some kind of thing like ultimate spider-man where he's using this technology to try to heal his son i don't really know um i'm definitely curious i hope they have a plan for it because otherwise that could very quickly be super bizarre and something you might retcon i think they have a plan i think they know the basic story beats for the next couple games that's my it's just what i think it's, it's I think, what I would do. I think you're right. I mean, uh, I think you're definitely right. Uh, it's just uh, I've never seen those characters really associated with each other other than, say, like the Red Goblin. Oh, oh, uh, you didn't watch the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon then. Well, I know. You're right. There, There is that. Uh-huh. Um, I've actually never seen that, uh, mm-hmm. as weird as that is. I've watched, like, the most of the first season of that show. So I think I maybe just missed it or something yeah. like that. But, uh, yeah, um, I'm curious to see how this kind of goes. Um, and I'm very happy with their restraint as a, as a person who worked on Spider-Man games previously, was there like, you know, to kind of close this conversation off, was there a, a, a detail that you found particularly amazing in regards to the work that like you would have done? Like you, you mentioned all these kind of like nods, but like, you're saying, like, in terms of, like, talk about planning for the future. Is there anything that you were like, wow, this is really incredible what they're doing It's the, here. the fact that they do appear to have a plan. That, that is, uh, <laughs> that, that's what I would say it is. You know, I, I, I did what I could to, to make that happen, but the, it just, it was a different time and different environment. And, and now um, Marvel and, and, you know, their partners seem to have completely embraced 
at least having a Spider-Man game universe. You know, there's a lot of speculation out there about like an old, like an all-encompassing Marvel games universe. When you bring in outside companies and stuff like that, you know, they have like a Square Enix Avengers game, which maybe it's the same universe, maybe it's not. I think they've said it's not uh, exclusively. Okay. Yeah. Oh, they have said that. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Because well, there there is still a lot of speculation that it is. Um, so, I, I I think you can do that for a, a little while, um, and have it feel like it's kind of the, the same thing. But but eventually, timelines on games change, and and you know the the companies, the publishers themselves are going to want to have a little more control than than maybe the, like a. Uh, a strict schedule of you know this thing's going to happen in the Avengers game, so it has to come out before Spider-Man Two or whatever. Um, so I think this, I don't know, smart, smarter is not the right word, but I, I think the the safer way to go is to have you know maybe several game universes in the same way that you have several comic universes, you know. Maybe this is the equivalent of a 616. I guess it's officially Earth 1048, and there is a reason for that. Uh, I have been told there there is, like, some basis of 1048 being the reason they chose it for this universe. Do you suspect that it's more Insomniac-related than Marvel Comics-related? Um, I It could be anything. It could literally be anything. It could have been suggested by Marvel. It could have been suggested by Insomniac. It's like the street address of their like company or something like that. Maybe, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> you know, I I have tweeted about this a little bit, and you know, I I, I know the people at Marvel Games, and and uh, you know, I was in direct conversation with uh, Isabel, who's a wonderful person, and uh, and I, I like straight up asked her, no, her and, and uh, Becca McIntosh, also a wonderful person. Um, I asked them like, hey, you know, is there a reason for this? And and Becca was like, yes, but it's very subtle and you probably can't figure it out. Um, and then Isabel's like, yeah, you know, I, I'd like to see who, who can. And, you know, I, I've thrown some guesses their way. I was like, so 1048, it probably took about 1,048 days to make this game. Good guess, but no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, well, I yeah. don't have anything. I, I don't have anything. Yeah, I, I don't either. I also have a whole spiel i could do about how in a video game every universe is its own and and there's really only one playthrough that can be defined as a universe 1048 so uh but i won't get into that here yeah so yeah just going back to what you said just the, the yeah the fact that they've obviously thought things through i think they know who their main villain is for two and three probably at this point and you know that's that's a lot i mean that's that's forward thinking I think so far only the Arkham games have really had like uh, a, you know a, a, a universe that has gone for multiple games and is you know very much like spoken to its previous games and even then like Arkham Knight you know you can kind of tell you know the who the Arkham Knight is in that game like was kind of disappointing to me because all of the setup for it was just in that game and you know I feel like they probably took it game by game as opposed to thinking two or three games ahead. And, uh, you know, and why would they, that, you know, when Arkham Asylum came out, it, it was such an underdog. 
Right. Uh, that, you know, just making that game to begin with was an accomplishment. Yeah. So, but now, like, we're to a point, uh, you know, in kind of the evolution of, of game universes where you can do that. And and I think that's what they're doing, and I certainly hope that's what they're doing. And I think it will make for a better, like, Spider-Man mythos uh, in the long run. And I suspect the gameplay, they've already kind of started to plan out for future ones, too. I mean, I imagine with the introduction of Miles Morales as a Spider-Man, we're going to get some wildly different gameplay types, whether it's yeah. like team-up missions or even utilizing Miles' power for... See, there's an opportunity for advanced stealth. You know, you got this camouflage character. You know, you really can start playing with that in interesting yeah. ways. And I'm excited to see that. And, and just for the record, I want to say, like, this Miles Morales is, to me, the best version of Miles Morales to appear in any medium. Uh, like, I love this character, and I want to see more of him as someone who's kind of frustrated with Miles Morales in the comics. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, I, I don't read a whole lot of uh, Miles comics. I, you know, I read probably the first 15 issues or so of, of Ultimate when it was, you know, I, I enjoyed it. But, you know, I pretty much just stick to my Peter. And uh, I I did enjoy Miles a lot in this. And uh, I think I'm going to enjoy him, too, and Into the Spider-Verse when that comes out. Uh, but, yeah, it, 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 I think it could be interesting, too. Like, maybe maybe they're setting up for, like, a Peter and Miles game. Maybe they're setting up for another studio to just do a Miles game. Stick in this universe. It's possible. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Or maybe they're setting up multiplayer. You know, like, there's a lot of different possibilities that they could be doing uh, by setting up Miles this way. Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to Black Cat DLC. Like, I, 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 my thought is that they're not going to revisit the Norman Osborn stuff in the DLC, other than maybe... Hinting at it, I imagine it's just going to be like filling out new characters and maybe a few boss battles here and there. I mean, I, I would love to get something really robust, you know, but the, it seems like we're probably going to get some loose strands before we get back to the central story in, what, three or four years? Well, you know, it might not be that long. Uh, they have their city. That's the biggest part. Sure. Uh, and, you know, they're they're probably going to iterate on that some. Uh, but yeah, I, I suspect we'll get Spider-Man to, if not 2020, definitely 2021. I, sure. I expect the question to me is like, is it going to be this generation or not? Yeah, it would be, it would be a killer app for this PS5. It definitely would considering yeah. how much this one sold. But then again, you know, you do have this city that is a PS4 city. <laughs> so right. I, I think the safer bet is that it will be like, uh, if you remember back in the day, God of War 2 came out after the PS3 had launched. And it was kind of like the last great game on the PS2. I think we, I think most likely that's going to be the situation we get. It'll be the swan song that merges the PS4 Pro to the PS5 or whatever that thing is. Yeah, I, I don't think we're going to get like a multi-platform release uh, just because uh, it, it it is so dear to the playstation brand now it's like a it, it, it you know spider-man's up there with kratos and nathan drake now as a as a sony character in video games well it makes sense they already use the spider-man font on the playstation 3 <laughs> yeah, it all comes around yeah like they 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 foresaw this uh happening you know ages ago yeah but as far as the dlc is concerned i i do think you know they're going to be self-contained stories but but 
there's no reason they can't talk about the stuff that happened in this game or maybe even hint at stuff that'll happen later on. And we've been promised New Game Plus as well, right? Yes. I imagine that's pretty soon. It's probably... It might come out with the DLC with Black Cat. I'm looking forward to that because I've got all these powers that need to be, you know, let loose on some poor guy's head. Go back to that Kingpin level and... (laughs) I'm going to knock him out in two punches. Yeah, then then there's other... There's two other DLCs. uh, One's called, I think, Silver Linings, I want to say, which sounds very Silver Sable-ish to me. And then there's another one. I don't have the names in front of me, but it's very... It's like talks about turf wars, I want to say. So, Mm. you know, I imagine Tombstone will return for that in some way. And then maybe we'll get like a Hammerhead or Silvermane or somebody like that. All I want are the Enforcers. Maybe. Yeah, that's very, (laughs) very possible. I'm really excited about it. I just need more excuses to play this game. (laughs) I mean, don't tell my wife that. uh, But I was Spider-Man for two solid weeks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my life. Yeah, and, and you're going to be it for more. I mean, I don't expect more than maybe two to three hours of gameplay through each of these, maybe a little more. But uh, it's it's just something to look forward to. I, I, I definitely look forward to seeing Black Cat right away for sure, and then whatever else they do. I like Silver Sable a lot too. I, I was actually a little confused. Did they clarify after Silver Sable leaves you? Is there a, a narrative reason for the all those sable outposts to still be there. Yes. I think they discussed that like some of them were still um, like being employed by Osborne and went sort of rogue from her own uh, employee. Yeah. They do mention it in like a throwaway line when you reboot the game after beating it. Um, Okay. You know, there's still a few things like that. Um, But yeah, I mean, they, they definitely go out of their way to go like, Here's X, Y, and Z, why this city, city is still acting the way that it is. Yeah, oh, oh, the other nitpick I have of this game. Here we go, everyone. The final nitpick. So, uh, Norman Osborn is running for mayor, right? Mm-hmm. Who is he running against? That's a really great question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> They've not spent a single dollar in advertising. Yeah, there's no signs for whoever this person is around the city. (laughs) That is really strange now that you mention it. Like, I didn't think about it, but I got to think if you walked into Insomniac's offices and said that, they'd all slap themselves on the head and go, why didn't anybody think of that? Oh, I'm relatively certain they've thought about it. But, you know, reasons – there's always reasons for things. You know, a lot of times times it's easy to be a a consumer and, you know – say lazy developers or whatever and and almost never is that the case i mean there's there's usually when people make bad games they they know they're not making the best game but they're doing the best they can they do the best with what they have to work with there's always outside things that come in that you never learn about but there's so much art assets for other things you'd think they would whip up a poster or two oh yeah yeah I don't know. I, I guess there's only so many things you can uh, you know, put in your your list of tasks to do. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a great answer for that. But you, Your final nitpick just cracked this game wide open for me. <laughs> there's some kind of like dystopic rule going on in this game that I, I wasn't aware of before. Well, maybe he's running unopposed and just likes to hear himself talk and campaign. I mean, I I can't imagine a real-world person being like that. 
But uh, <laughs> uh, I'll stop you there, Chris. I'll stop you there and save you the pain of that. Uh, so yeah, yeah. thanks again, Chris, uh, for joining me to review this game. Uh, and and for also kind of joining me for this series we put together. It's our own little trilogy of podcast. It's been a real blast having you on for all these. It has been a pleasure. And it's always fun talking to someone maybe even more passionate about Spider-Man. Than I don't know about that. You crack this Norman thing wide open. You have a 200 episode podcast. I, I don't have anything like all that. All right. All right. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, well, I also wanted to say a special thanks to Joshua Sutton from the panels to pixels uh, show on YouTube, which is a great show and you should all go Absolutely. check it out. I know Chris, you'll echo me on that. Definitely. Yeah. Josh is great. Panels to pixels. The reason I'm thanking him is because he created the awesome video game remix version of our theme song that you heard that opened the show. Uh, just out of nowhere, he just kind of posted it. Uh, that is so incredibly fun, and I'm glad you guys finally get to hear all about that. Uh, and additionally, also for all you listeners at home, uh, know that Mark and I are not stopping with the content during our break. I know that breaks are supposed to be a time to catch your breath and relax, and I just don't think that that's part of our DNA. So we've got a bunch more surprises in store for you during the break, just like this episode. There's going to be just kind of random content that should be popping into your feed that hopefully you guys enjoy. But really the best way to keep the fun going is to become a part of our Patreon members club. And this week, our Patreon subscribers are going to get a special review of Amazing Spider-Man number 7, also known as number 808. That's not confusing at all. And Chris, you and I are actually going to be having another discussion right after this about the new Venom movie that we've both seen. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to that. I, I think we have some differing opinions just based on a single tweet that I saw you send out. So I don't necessarily know that that's true. That tweet okay. might be deceptive. Okay. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I, I think that's a movie that's not going to be very easily categorizable as like good, bad or, or anything like that. So Much like Venom himself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Very good, Chris. This is going to be a great conversation. So if you're itching to get more Amazing Spider Talk, even in our break, remember that there's no better place to be than our Patreon, where we're delivering our exciting coverage of the new run and so much more. It's just $3.99 a month, the price of a new comic, to get all those new issue reviews, our B-book reviews, more interviews and episodes like our Venom discussion. And also remember for $10 or more a month, that's our Excelsior Club. You'll get access to some awesome commission artwork. And this time it's going to be from the superior foes of Spider-Man artist Steve Lieber. I think I put a teaser out about this on Twitter. It's an awesome piece of artwork. It's already done and ready to go out to all of our followers. So if you're a fan of that run and you want some awesome work of some really D-list villains to hang on your wall from the master of D-list villains. Uh, just join our Excelsior Club. Um, and lastly, we've also got the Amazing Spider Slack community for you to join. Actually, there's a video games channel on there where we've all been sharing stuff from this game and our love of this game. So come and join us there on the Slack. You can find a link to that in the description of this podcast. I've been plugging all of my stuff. Chris, now it's time for you to plug your stuff 
Where can we find you online? This week. Or just in perpetuity. Yeah, you know, I, I always tell people just go to my uh, Twitter and there's a bunch of links. So at uh, CBake76, C-B-A-K-E-7-6. Uh, you can go to my YouTube channel, all about superhero video games at superhero.vg. Also soon... Uh, we are going to continue this discussion with an in-depth look at Easter eggs in this game that are not like the typical, you know, I talked earlier about Avengers Towers, which is, I'm super happy Avengers Towers in there. I'm super happy the Sanctum Sanctorum's in there. But, you know, Brad Davis, who we talked about earlier, this is where you get that kind of stuff. <laughs> so... <laughs> And you're gonna you're gonna be quizzing me of sorts, kind of. I mean, actually, some of these we already talked about. Uh, you know, I, I've, <laughs> you know, I have been trying to just sort through all this stuff. I, I took a lot of screenshots as I played the game. Like any time an interesting Twitter message came up, you know, the in-game Twitter message came up, or any time like a character was mentioned. Um, you know, I would take a, I would use that share function and, and not share, just keep to myself, whatever was happening. Uh, so I have some short videos and, and a lot of just screen captures of, of stuff. There's a lot of things in there. If you look closely enough that have the, the numbers 1963 or somewhere thereabouts, there's a lot of things that are identified just as ASM or TSA or TASM hyphen something uh you know and they're all you know just like the if you look really close at like badges and stuff like that there's just all sorts of really really like things they didn't have to do oh my goodness <laughs> well this sounds like the easter egg mother load yeah i'm not gonna go i'm not gonna go back and do like the 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 anything really that you took a picture of and and was a uh, something you were supposed to take a picture of like most of that stuff for this audience, they know. And, you know, and there's a ton of Easter egg videos out there, some of which are called every Easter egg in the game. It's like, no. And I'm not going to pretend that I have every Easter egg in the game either because there's stuff I'm, I still learn about that I didn't even see. Or If you go through the game, just look at everything really closely. You'll find some interesting things applying your Spidey knowledge. Well, there is one piece of Spidey knowledge we like to impart on all of our listeners as we leave the game, and I'm going to leave it to you here, Chris, to take us home. And uh, so, so what is that bit of knowledge? I, I know it. Hold on. Oh, oh, yes. Something about uh, with great podcasts must also come the all-new Amazing Spider Talk. 